Three brief verses form the text for today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Let's read them. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think we ought to read those again. They're short enough, would you? It's all right. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Open our hearts today, O Lord, I pray that we may hear not so much what the preacher is going to say, but we may hear what the Spirit will say in the midst of the preaching. Let this be a word that will challenge us and inspire us, will draw us into that place that you would like for us to be. I lift up other life-giving churches, and I pray blessing upon them. And I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. I particularly pray for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith and ask that you will send the Holy Spirit after them to draw them back to you. Don't let one of them be lost, O Lord, I pray. I ask these things in the only name that matters, the strong name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. It was Thanksgiving Day, and the aroma of roast turkey was filling Charlie Brown's house and wafting out into the backyard. Snoopy, lying on top of his doghouse, smelled that aroma, sat up, and thought, ah, it's Thanksgiving Day. Everybody eats turkey on Thanksgiving Day. So there he sat, eyes glued to the back door, eagerly awaiting his Thanksgiving dinner. Finally, the door opened, and Charlie Brown walked out with a bowl of dog food and put it on the ground. <laughs> Snoopy climbed off his house and stared at the dog food with a forlorn look on his face. He thought... Just because I'm a dog, I have to eat dog food on Thanksgiving Day. And then the next square shows him looking at the dog food more intently, and he's thinking, it could be worse, I could be the turkey. In just a few days, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving in this country where we recognize our blessings as a nation and as individuals in this nation. While this is an important holiday to observe, the reality is that true thankfulness is more than a one-day-a-year observance. At this season of the year, if we want to live the happy life, if we want to live the fulfilling life, if we want to live the achieving life, and we're going to have to take seriously the instructions of God's Word and learn what it means to live in the spirit of thanksgiving. When we look into God's Word, the Bible, it becomes for us a resource with instructions about how to live a life that is rewarding and fulfilling. In our text from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes, if we want to live the happy life, then we're to live it like this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, most of us like the sound of being joyful and prayerful and thankful. The question is, how? 
I find myself fighting depression. I'm down and out. When everybody else is so happy, I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. So how do I make that happen? The truth is the spirit of thanksgiving is really an attitude. An attitude by definition is a translation of inward feelings into outward action. It's a translation of a covert feeling into an overt action. It's taking our feelings and putting them into appropriate behavior. When we examine these verses of our text, the first thing I see is if we're going to live by the spirit of thanksgiving, then what we need is to have a perpetual attitude of praise. The Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. He continued in verse 2 and said, set your mind on things above because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Setting our hearts and minds on things above means we are not focused on what is the worst that can happen to us, but what is the best that can happen to us. That would help somebody right now if you just start focusing on what is the best that could possibly happen. If we could get to the point of understanding this, what a tremendous difference it would make. When Paul writes, rejoice always, he's talking about praise. When he says rejoice, that word for joy in the Bible isn't talking about temporary euphoria. It isn't talking about this fleeting sensation of pleasantness. Instead, it's talking about a sense of imperturbable gladness regardless of the circumstances. This was something the apostle learned and then modeled in his own life. Paul, as you remember, wound up giving his life for Jesus. He was beheaded at Nero's chopping block on account of his faith. But when he was languishing in prison, awaiting the verdict, he wrote to the Philippian church and said in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, now you think about that for a moment. Here was a man under indictment waiting for the death penalty to be carried out. Here was a man who was going to be beheaded because of his love and his ministry for Jesus, and yet he could say, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. This is a perpetual attitude of praise of putting God first in our lives through Jesus Christ. If we could come to that, then we'd begin to understand the spirit of thanksgiving. You know, when you get down to the bottom line, this is what has truly made our country as great as it is. This nation was built on the spirit of thanksgiving. When those pilgrims first came to the Massachusetts shore in 1621, that first year was a tough one. Over half of them died. The next year in 1622, they didn't have a very good harvest and they didn't even celebrate a harvest feast. The year after that in 1623, there was a great drought and they hardly had enough food to eat. Well, then a ship came from England with provisions and Governor Bradford declared the first Thanksgiving. When that ship docked and brought the provisions which saved their lives, the first thing they did was bow on their knees and give thanks to God, and the spirit of thanksgiving was there. They learned that in spite of their loved ones who had died, regardless of the sickness that was rampant, regardless of the hardship or the suffering or the sorrow they endured, rejoice always. 200 years later, this country was in a civil war, north against the south brother against brother, family against family, countrymen against countrymen. Freedom was at stake. Human rights were at stake. And the entire country was in a turmoil. Right in the midst of this time, President Lincoln declared a national day of thanksgiving on the last Thursday in November 1863. In his proclamation, here's what he called upon the American people. He said, with humble 
penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience. Fervently implore the interposition of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation. Maybe that ought to be the prayer that we offer up on this Thanksgiving. Well, later on June 28, 1870, President Ulysses S. Grant signed into law the Holidays Act that made Thanksgiving a yearly appointed federal holiday. Every fourth Thursday in the month of November, all the wheels of commerce were to cease and this nation was to bow on its knees and give thanks to God for the many blessings it had received. Now, you think about that for a moment. How in the midst of a civil war can we maintain an attitude of praise? How in the midst of suffering and hardship from a severe winter can we maintain an attitude of praise? How can the Apostle Paul in prison, waiting to be executed for nothing more than preaching the gospel of Jesus, maintain an attitude of praise? How can you and I, when the kids are rebellious and the job is terminated and the bills are unpaid and the body is racked with pain and our dreams are shattered, and our resources are depleted. How can we maintain an attitude of praise? The answer is praise is not a response to feelings. Praise is not a response to the surrounding circumstances. Praise is a decision of faith. That's what Job was talking about in the Old Testament when he was sitting on the ash heap, scraping the sores on his body with a broken shard of pottery. All his property had been stolen. All his children had been killed. His wife was disgusted with him, told him to just curse God and die. And Job responded by bowing before the Lord and saying in chapter 1, verse 21, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His decision of praise caused him to say in chapter 13, verse 15, Though God slay me, yet will I trust him. This is what the psalmist David meant when he sang in Psalm 34 and 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This is what the prophet meant when he sang in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flocks should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. You know, that's what Paul and Silas were doing in that Philippian jail. They had been beaten, put in stocks. The doors had been locked at midnight. Paul and Silas began to sing songs of praise unto the Lord. The reason they could do that is because praise is not dependent upon blue skies and pleasant circumstances. Praise is a decision of faith. Praise is a decision of your will. Praise is a determination to put your hope and your trust and your confidence in Almighty God regardless of the situation. And this praise is possible because the God we serve is bigger than any adversity, bigger than any tragedy, bigger than any problem life can throw at you. Listen, when you truly trust the Lord, then when the pantry is full, you can praise him. And when the cupboard is bare, you can still praise him. When the wind is filling your sails and you're cruising through life, you can praise him. And when the storm threatens to capsize your boat, you can still praise him. When the doctor gives a positive report, you can praise him. And when the prognosis is terminal, you can still praise 
praise him. If you're going to live by the spirit of thanksgiving, you need a perpetual attitude of praise. And that comes from an unshakable confidence in the Lord that he's going to see you through regardless of what comes your way. Paul goes on, he says, not only to rejoice always, but also to pray continually. He's talking about a perpetual attitude of prayer. Living in the spirit of thanksgiving is directly correlated to our prayer life. You know, today we talk about burning out. We talk about running on empty. We talk about having a nervous breakdown. We talk about being anxious and worried. We're interested in stress management. We use all kinds of terms when people get immobilized. Here we are with everything at our fingertips to make us happy, and yet nothing seems to make us happy. Maybe it's because we've forgotten we can't live in this world by ourselves. Maybe it's because we've lost sight of the fact we were never intended to make it on our own. But we need something bigger and more powerful than we are to handle the pressures of this age. The key is to pray without ceasing. Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, that people ought always to pray and not to faint. James 5, 16 reminds us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or has much power. Now, maybe you're in this service today and feel like you have to reach up just to touch bottom. You may feel like you're under the heap and there's no way out. Maybe you feel like the pressure you're under is more than you can bear. Maybe you feel your sadness is too great to handle. You need to know as you develop the perpetual attitude of prayer that you're going to discover your prayer will give you the energy and the power to be an overcomer and to live the victorious life in the spirit of thanksgiving. When you pray, you give God access into your life. You give him the opportunity to turn tragedy into triumph. Now, here's what I found. When I live with a perpetual attitude of prayer, then sometimes that prayer works to effectively change the circumstances of my life. See, sometimes I pray and God supernaturally comes down and turns everything around and I'm able to say, well, praise the Lord, God has solved the problem. Anybody ever had God do that for you? Other times, I have found when I live with a perpetual attitude of prayer that instead of changing my circumstances and solving all the problems, God is able to work in my life in such a way that I am changed. And when I am changed, then the problems that were overwhelming before aren't nearly as big now. When I am changed, then the pressures no longer get to me the way they used to. When I am changed, then I find I'm not dwelling on the negatives. When I am changed, then I don't find myself bogged down and handicapped and defeated. When you live in that attitude of prayer, then you allow God to work on whichever end needs the most work. You allow God to perform and complete his perfect will, knowing that whatever he does is best for everyone concerned. Now, the apostle Paul had a tremendous prayer life. And because of his prayer life, he was able to face up to everything that came his way. He wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. We are handicapped on every side, but we're never frustrated. We're puzzled, but we're never in despair. We may be knocked down, but we're never knocked out. 
He continued in verse 16 and said, the outward man indeed suffers wear and tear. Can I get a witness? <laughs> but this is the reason that we never collapse. Because the inward man receives fresh strength daily. This is the result of the perpetual attitude of prayer. Pray continuously. This is what plugs you into the power source and enables you to stand when everything around you is falling apart. This is what can change your life, turn it around and make you a new person, give you a new ability to do things you never thought you could do. This is what will keep your heart steady and your mind settled. This is what will keep you moving forward instead of stalling out. If you want to live in the spirit of thanksgiving, you need the perpetual attitude of praise. Rejoice always. You need a perpetual attitude of prayer. Pray without ceasing. Then third, we see it's a perpetual attitude of productivity. In verse 18 of our text, we find the words, in everything. The Amplified Bible says it like this, thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be, be thankful and give thanks. That speaks to us of productivity. No matter what happens, you be thankful. Continue in thanksgiving. When we have the attitude of anger and rage and malice and slander and bitterness, all of those things that go along with the negatives, then we're not productive. All we do is, all we do is sit and stew. We lose our ability to function and do the things God has created us to do. We lose our ability to be the kind of people he would have us to be. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I heard about a young man who was feeling very proud of himself. He's a brand new college grad, graduate. He had taken the CPA exam and passed with flying colors. Now he was a full-fledged certified public accountant. His father had been an immigrant to the U.S. and over the years had labored and sacrificed until he now owned his own little business. Well, filled with self-importance, the young man began to criticize his father's way of keeping books. He said, Dad, you don't even know how much profit you've made. Over here in this drawer are your accounts receivable. Over there are your receipts, and you keep all your money in the cash register. You don't have any idea how much money you've made. <laughs> the father looked at him and said, Son, when I came to this country, the only thing I owned was a pair of pants. He said, now your brother is a doctor, your sister is an art teacher, and you're a CPA. Your mother and I own our home, we have a car, and we own this little business. Now add that up, subtract the pants, and all the rest is profit. This is a lesson we all need to learn this Thanksgiving. Add up everything we have, subtract what we began with, and realize the rest is pure blessing. This is how we learn to be productive. It only happens when we learn to live in the spirit of thanksgiving. That only happens when we learn that regardless of the difficulties life may throw into our path, we can be successful and we can be glad because our hope is not in our success as the world measures success. We can be glad and we can be thankful because our hope is in the Lord. You see, God has something wonderful in mind for your life. He has this, he has this plan of working with you and forming you and fashioning you until you are formed into the image of his very own son, the Lord Jesus. As long as you're ruled by your emotions, and by your circumstances, 
As long as you're ruled by what other people say about you or do to you, there are going to be some days you'll be king of the hill, and then there will be other days you'll be a wreck. There will be some days you'll be invincible, and then there will be other days when the slightest breeze will blow you over. But a strategy for continuous productive living begins by cultivating an attitude of gratitude. It begins by living in the spirit of thanksgiving. It begins by making this a lifestyle so that it becomes thanks living. You need to realize when you're a child of God, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the adversity, God is still at work in your life. Just because you get knocked around in the crucible of life doesn't mean God has forgotten about you. Just because you're not riding the fair winds of emotional excitement doesn't mean God has abandoned you. You know, sometimes we come to church and and go through the routine. Yeah, we sing the songs, we pray the prayers, we listen to the sermon, and when we leave, we don't feel any different than when we came in. Everybody else got excited, but we didn't feel a thing. Everybody else seemed to feel God, but it just kind of washed past us. Sometimes that happens because we aren't in the kind of relationship we need to be with the Lord in order to sense his presence. Sometimes it happens because we become preoccupied with other things and the the sheer busyness of life has become a weight that drags us down from the most important thing of seeking his face and abiding in his presence. Then sometimes we're just bored. It has all become so predictable and routine. So we're looking for something new and exciting. We we don't quite know what that is, but we go searching for it. You may be in this service and feel like the power has gone out of your prayers. You may feel like the excitement has gone out of your worship. You may feel like the Lord is distant and unapproachable. You may be carrying around a deep sadness that seems inconsolable. The Lord would have you to know this day, it is not your feelings that dictate your relationship with him. Instead, it is his unbreakable word, which is an everlasting covenant with you. And because of that, it is not your feelings that ought to dictate your thanksgiving and praise. Rather, it is your faith that will dictate your thanksgiving and praise. And then your thanksgiving and praise will dictate to your feelings. Regardless of how it feels, regardless of how it looks, regardless of what the circumstances indicate, you need to know God is still present. God is still with you. God is still working in your life. God is still paying attention to your needs. God is still looking out for your welfare. God is still on the throne, and he has decreed a word for your life, and that word is good. You may be down today, but I'm here to tell you, help is on the way. The present adversity is nothing more than a way for you to demonstrate faith and for God's glory and beauty to be revealed in the midst of your weakness. All the circumstances may say your finances are bad and getting worse. Your business is failing and you won't be able to make ends meet. But God's word says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God's word says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So put your trust in the promise of God, and you can get up in the morning with a smile on your face and a spring in your step, thanking God, ready to cooperate with him to make it happen. Circumstances may say that your home is in turmoil. Your spouse refuses to serve the Lord. There's tension and division. 
But God's word declares, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household will be saved. So you put your trust in the promise of God. Give him thanks, and that spirit of thanksgiving will create an atmosphere of peace and harmony in the home. Perhaps you're plagued by guilt over past sins. You feel unworthy. You, you struggle accepting the fact that you're loved and forgiven. But God's word says when you come to Jesus, you start over. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. You are adopted as a child of the king. You are forgiven and cleansed. Your sins are remembered against you no more. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So you put your trust in the promise of God and let the spirit of thanksgiving rise up within you with an assurance you are no longer debilitated and bound, but you are set free through the power of the Lord Jesus. Maybe your situation is a lingering illness. You've tried cure after cure. You've even received prayer on multiple occasions, but nothing seems to work. But God's word declares, by his stripes, you're healed. His word promises, I am the Lord who heals you. So put your trust in the promise of God. Walk in the spirit of thanksgiving, and that will give God the material he needs to bring about a miracle of healing. And if he, in his, sovereign, in his sovereignty, chooses another path for you. This spirit of thanksgiving will give him permission to change you in the process. Either way, you stop being defeated and you begin to live as an overcomer through the power of the Holy Spirit of God who lives in your life. If you came here looking for some answers, that may be just exactly what you need to hear today. See, I found there's some people who will only turn to God when all other strings break. Only when the bottom drops out and there are no other alternatives, that's when some people turn to him. The good news is, no matter when you come to him, you will find he is always faithful. He is waiting to receive you with open arms. He's ready to give attention to your prayers. He's ready to renew your life and once more put you back on the road to productivity through the power of his spirit. You bring the message to a close. As I do, let me ask you, have you expended all your energy? Have you come to the end of your abilities? Have you exhausted all your resources? Are you at the point of giving up? Giving up on the job, on the relationship, on the church, on God? Jesus is present right now wherever you are. Whatever is going on in your life, he's present to give you a new spirit, a new hope, and a new help. And I want to pray with you that a new attitude of praise and a new attitude of prayer is going to be generated in your life. And that you'll be able to see beyond the present struggle to what God is ultimately doing in your life. I want to pray that you'll get a fresh insight, that you'll have a renewed faith to keep going, to keep praising, to keep thanking, and that new joy, peace, and productivity will be released as you put into practice these principles of thanksgiving for your life. Bow with me, please. Let's, let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we come to you now in the spirit of thanksgiving. We thank you for the opportunity you give to us to come to you to be renewed in spirit, mind, soul, and body. Touch this one who shares with me in this prayer. As we confess our sins and repent of our sins, asking forgiveness, coming into your presence with singing and praise, we come believing you and trusting you now to make changes in our lives. Out of weakness, 
bring strength. Out of despondency, bring happiness. Out of fear, bring faith. Out of doubt, bring hope. Out of hate, bring love. May the transforming power of your spirit fill our hearts right now as we share in this prayer. I pray this in the only name that matters, the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our soon returning King. And while our heads are bowed for just a moment, I wonder if there's someone here today and you'd say, Pastor, I really need that renewed sense of God's presence. I I really need that strength that comes. I need to be able to get past the, the, the hurt and past the disappointment and past the, the, the pain and past the sorrow. I need to be able to step over into this spirit of thanksgiving you were talking about. So would you include me in your prayer today? If that's you and you just need the help of the Lord in an area, put your hand up, please, and, and then just put it right back down so I know who you are. Thank you. Thank you. So many hands. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, I pray especially for those who have indicated a need for you today, a special need of your presence. Fill their lives today with an assurance that they can walk in the overcoming power of your spirit as they release the hurt and they release the disappointments to you and they embrace this spirit of thanksgiving. No matter what, they're just going to praise you. No matter what, they're just going to give you thanks. No matter what, they're going to trust you fully and completely. That there be a release of divine, divine energy in their lives now to be able to handle it. And I thank you for doing that. I thank you for doing that. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Amen. Amen.